everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We are now into the year 1993, and we are going to be discussing the video games of that year, and John will be taking over. Hello, John! Hello! And, how's everyone doing today? Yeah, we're doing great, dude. Awesome! Well, how do we get things started with a couple of companies that started up in 93? Uh, NVIDIA... Uh, began and they're mostly known for the graphics chips uh, although they have done a lot more than that but anytime uh, you sit there and think about uh, how good your your uh, PC gaming is uh-huh. and NVIDIA pretty much the thing for that uh, Take 2 Interactive started and now they started off uh, just doing some development but uh, ultimately they started owning two of the biggest publishers uh, how big? Uh, well, they own 2K, so they have Bioshock and Borderlands, all the 2K sports games, as well as they have Rockstar, which, yeah, I don't know, they, they make something, I, no one really plays it. Yeah, have no idea. Grand Theft Auto or something? <laughs> I mean, no one, no one, that's not like a billion dollar, uh, making uh, game or anything like that, so I don't know. Maybe they should just call it a day, I think. It did uh, seem like a foolish endeavor, honestly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shiny came out, uh, makers of MDK, uh, Wild Nine, and the awesomeness that is known as Earthworm Jim. Oh, yes. Created by a really awful human being, but let's ignore that part. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's true, sadly. Okay, now, something that also began during this time, uh, Nintendo and Silicon Graphics began work on Project Reality. Ooh. Why don't I know what that is? Is that the, is that the disc we'll, system? We'll, we'll, we'll find out what it is in 96. Okay. Now, uh, we will have to talk about this one. And it, well, it doesn't break my heart because it sucked, but uh, it breaks my heart just how badly it sucked. Uh, the Atari Jaguar. Oh, boy. Yeah, Atari's final attempt at a, at a video game console and a spectacular failure. And what this, the funniest thing about it was it was marketed as the first 64-bit console. Uh, and this is the time, of course, that you know 16-bits were the king. Uh-huh. And, you know, it really just kind of skipped over the whole 32-bit generation. Wouldn't it have been more impressive just to have 32 and not lie to everybody? <laughs> well, that's the thing is, yeah. The, the, the thing is, it was a lie because it had two 32-bit processors, but that's not how you get 64 bits. It's just two 32-bit processors. Like, I think the joke was uh, they're talking about uh, the, the Sega Saturn and it's like, well, yeah, if you're using that map, then Saturn's like a 112-bit system. Yeah, yeah. But um, the thing is, it basically, it was, it, the games were mediocre at best. And I think, like, maybe the only original, uh, you know, good title that was original was an Aliens vs. Predator game. Right. And even then, that was kind of a piece of crap. But, uh by 95, the playing field had gotten more competitive, and 
Atari ultimately just abandoned the Jaguar and then got sold to Hasbro. Right, I remember that. And they started doing, like, PC gaming. Yeah, so thus ends our discussion of the Jaguar. Because that's about as long as it lasted. <laughs> hmm. I did have arcade games next, but you know what? Let's talk about some PC games. Okay. Uh, first off, what do you think would have been... Because there's two of them. What do you think was the killer app that would sell PC CD-ROMs? Uh, Doom. Well, no, because that never came out on CD-ROM. Oh, it was always shareware? Really? Yeah, it was, it was shareware. This whole time. Huh. Yeah, um, and, on, and, on a, and just on floppy. Mist. Mist? Well. You are correct if you said Mist. Yeah, wait, what? Well, you have Mist, and then there was one other one. Can you think of what that might be? Oh, because I thought you said Fist, and I was like, I don't remember that game. <laughs> so I was correct. Um, Duke Nukem? No, that came later. Uh, was it a LucasArts game? It was not. Shit. Okay. So it wasn't full uh, throttle. I think that was later anyway, so. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the first one is the, the not the one that you mentioned first, but uh, the seventh guest. Oh, son of a bitch! I almost had, I had that in my mind, but I was like, oh, that didn't come out for a couple more years. Seventh guest. Damn it! The, the horror puzzle game uh, whose story unfolds thinks of tons of live action full motion video clips. And I knew a lot of people who owned this. I never did. This wasn't one of the games that I grew I grew up playing. Uh-huh. But, yeah, what I had seen of it creeped the hell out of me. And that's kind of funny, because if I looked at it now, I'm sure that it's like Night Trap, and it's just cheesy as hell and not in any way scary. But uh, the other one was, of course, Mist. This point-and-click uh, puzzle game. Where you basically wander around an empty area trying to find a way to escape. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was 12. I couldn't figure the stupid thing out. I hated it. I know a lot of people who love it. I know a lot of people who still love it and would still play it today. Yeah, I never got to play it. I just remember my best friend. He was big on PC gaming while still console gaming, and he always had whatever the new disc uh, CD-ROM based game was. I mean, I'll say this. It was a beautiful game. Everything about it looked wonderful. The video clips, at least on our PC, didn't really look as good. So I I can't stand by any of that, but I'm sure like on a home console or something like that, those, those things probably looked a hell of a lot better. Now, X-Wing came out. Yay! I remember playing this one. Now this is probably, other than the Doom shareware, well no, I guess I was really into the first person shooters. I'm sorry. But I think it was in 94 is when I got into them because we had Doom, Hexen, and Wolfenstein. And, uh, but I do remember playing X-Wing and having a very hard time getting it to work. Yeah, I think that was one of the problems. X-Wing took a lot to run. You know, it, it's a space shooter kind of like Wing Commander, but so much better. And I love Wing Commander. So me totting uh, X-Wing really kind of, I, I would say, kind of shows the quality of it. I stand by all the jankiness of, of Wing Commander, and this was this was pretty fucking polished. But I was looking for anything that reminded me of the old Star Wars arcade game. You remember the vector graphics one? Oh yeah, I have that one. How? They have, they have a PC port. Oh, 
Okay, because I have it in my emulator, but half the time it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, considering that it was only vector graphics, it didn't take actually a whole hell of a lot to run. And you also, basically, only, I don't think there was anything beyond doing the Death Star. But that was, you know, sit down, you fly through it, you shoot things, and at the end, yay, I broke the Death Star. Oh, I get to do it again. Yay! Now, has Wing Commander has been out, right? I think the first two are out at this point. So there was some competition in a marketplace for these shooters. Yeah, yeah. There was, I'm pretty sure, yeah, this one, Wing Commander definitely was out. Wing Commander 2, I'm sure, if it, if it wasn't already out at this point, it was being released, like, very, like, around the same time as this. Okay. But, uh, now, here we are. The PC game that truly changed everything. Doom. Yes. And I mean, you know what? Uh, Wolfenstein, I, I played the, the emulators of both games, and Wolfenstein is impossible to tell what the hell is going on. Doom really is a big jump forward. And what's amazing about it is it still holds up, too. Scared like, the crap out of me when those monsters would yell, holy shit. And you remember all the patches you have for, like, Army of Darkness and Aliens and Predator? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, my, by the end of it, my Doom game was so filled with junk because I had Barney Doom and the Evil Dead stuff and, oh god, what else? I, I can't think of all the, of all the uh, sound files that were packed on one on top of the other. Yeah, I'm game over, man! <laughs> Introduce my boomstick. Uh, yeah, and I mean this is this is how important Doom was. First person shooters for the longest time since that game had come out were referred to as Doom clones. Yeah, yeah. It took years for them to start fighting an identity as first person shooters and not Doom clones. But granted that was also even though yeah, Wolfenstein did come first and we talked about that. This is kind of what showed you what was possible. These maps were huge. They had mm -hmm. some secrets. There was, there was a hell of a lot to do that on the surface you just go like, oh wait, it's that, it's that stupid horror game with lots of violence. It's like, mm, there's more to it than that. But yeah, it also had a kick-ass soundtrack. Right, right. Uh, let's jump to the arcades. Uh, Daytona, USA. Oh yeah, I remember that. Was there is there another one USA? I feel like that was more popular than Daytona. Was there cruise in USA? Yes, thank you. But totally, totally different. Uh, this one was a stock car, uh, stock car game where you're doing these different tracks, kind of driving through mountains and stuff. Mm -hmm. And what was the graphics on this thing were amazing at the time. They kind of hold up, but not as well. As, some, as another game that we're going to talk about. But uh, what's kind of cool about this was it had an adaptive difficulty level where the first lap you drive kind of gauged what your skill level was and then the game actually adjusted to compensate. And, you know, like the wheel on it was really cool because it had a lot of force feedback so you could actually, you know, you were able to actually... Uh, yeah, I remember it's one of the only games, only the racing games I'm really good at because it wasn't with a regular controller, it was with the wheel, and I feel like I was just better at it then. Well, yeah, and what also helped was they did give you the option to have 
to change your camera angles as well, which was starting to become a thing around the time where it's usually, oh yeah, it was you know third person behind the car, or maybe you were inside the car, but that was about you only had one choice. Mm-hmm. And now it's like whatever worked best for you, you can swap between. Now, the reason why this thing had really good uh, graphics and Sega spent a lot of time with this was they were competing with Namco and a uh, little game called Ridge Racer, which also came out this year. Yeah, I remember the, I remember the console version. I don't remember the uh, the arcade version. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. The arcade version, the console version is very much a not a one-to-one adaptation, but pretty damn close. And when I talk about like the graphics on Daytona USA being amazing, mm-hmm. Ridge Racers still look good. Nice. I, I haven't I, seen them in forever. It's and part of it's because this is one of the first games to uh, have uh, 3D texture map graphics. So basically, you know, the texture and shadings are added to the surfaces themselves. Yeah, yeah. Start giving them depth. And then also had a uh, Gorod shaving, uh, shading, which basically started making everything because of how the uh, how the light hit different objects. Actually, kind of started giving it the you know quote unquote realism of an actual track, and you actually felt like your car was driving into shadow, out of shadow. You know, you had different light textures that actually showed up. Mm-hmm. In tunnels, the lighting actually changed because you had different types of lighting. And the shadows adjusted to that. And it... I mean, are there better looking games now? Of course. But damn, does Ridge Racer still look really good. And still, especially playing it at... If you're running it at uh, 60 frames per second. My God. That is, it's heaven. Nice. Heaven on the disc. Now, one of my favorite SNK fighting games also got released, and that was Samurai Showdown. You know, it's one of the very few on the, because uh, I have the, I've been telling you I've worked on that uh, emulator, and it's one of the few that I'm actually decent at. <laughs> Most of my, I fucking suck at fighting games. What was good about that was it wasn't based around doing combos and things like that. It, because it's set in like feudal Japan and you're dealing with you know actual swords and you know weaponry combat you actually had to think about what you're going to do because you could take a you know theoretically take a person down in just a couple of hits mm-hmm. because yeah you have swords and shit <laughs> It's a, a street fighter where you're just punching people. Yeah, that that and uh, I like the ones that were just other than just normal two normal people fighting like that. Uh, Primal Rage, Dark Stalker, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I I seem to remember this as being part of the first game. It might have been in one of the sequels, but I do remember that if you got into close quarters, you actually your swords got interlocked and you had to button mash your way out of that uh, out of that close combat. Uh huh. And if you were the loser, your sword gets, got knocked out of your hands and you had to actually go get it. <laughs> if that's not this game, it's like the sequel. Okay, I'm sorry. But I do I do remember that stuff and that was a hell of a lot of fun as a real mechanic. Now, Virtual Fighter came out as well. 
Oh my god, my mind was fucking blown when I saw this. And now, yeah, obviously, you know, now it's aged a bit. You know what? I was mind blown at the idea of the 3D fighter. I thought it looked like crap, though. I don't know. For some reason, I just never seen anything like that and just uh, astounded me. with this game. It was at my video store. This is my favorite basketball game, period. Yeah, I think it's everybody's favorite basketball game. It's it's definitely one of the best. It understood what was fun, and you just, you know, being that's an arcade game, it was a blast. You, it didn't, you didn't necessarily get bogged down with uh, any real mechanics of play. Uh, you make three, you make three point, uh, three baskets, and then you're on fire. Which said, if you uh, go for a dunk, not only are you literally on fire, the ball's on fire, and you have like the super leap. And it also had secret characters. Do you remember any of them? No, no, I don't. Damn, I hope you would, because I only remember Bill Clinton. What? What? Bill Clinton was a secret character in in that game. There's other ones, and I can't remember who they are, and I feel kind of silly, but... Yeah. Please tell me, please tell me that Bill Clinton, after, like, slam dunking on the other team, said, I feel your pain. <laughs> no, no, that no... He didn't say anything. There was, there was no special sound bites for him. It was just him and a, and you could have big head modes and you have a giant bobblehead version of Bill Clinton. That's sucking. That's fucking funny. <laughs> and finally, for the uh, for the arcades, Mortal Kombat Two came out. Trying to remember who was added to that one. I feel like a lot of them showed up in the second Mortal Kombat movie. Who are the new characters? I'm trying to remember. Smoke, one of them, Cybex, or something like that. No, no. Uh... I think Smoke was a character, but he's a hidden character. A lot of characters that showed up in like Mortal Kombat uh, in the second Mortal Kombat film were part, from Part Three. Uh, but it was uh, in the first Mortal Kombat had a lot of those MK2 characters because you had Melina, Katana, uh, you had uh, Shao Kahn, Reptile. Uh, who was? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm looking right here. Okay, so new characters. Let's see who was added. Uh, let's see. Yes, yeah, Sub-Zero, Smoke, Scorpion, Reptile, Noob, Cybot. I don't remember that one at all. That was that was a character that was like a very, very hidden one. It was the Shadow, uh, the Shadow Ninja. Oh, okay. Melina, Katana, and Jade. 
those uh, grosser fatalities, you know, the stage fatalities, and because this was at the time that the uh, all the uh, big bad government stuff was happening, they ended up adding in friendships and babalities. Babalities. I was wondering if this is the one that did that. Yeah, so instead of killing your opponent, you could, you know, give them an autograph or bake them a cake or turn them into a baby. <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I think of the, at least of the three original games, this, I think, is the best one. Three did kind of refine a lot of that stuff, and Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 would be the ultimate version of that but just as a, as a gameplay thing I think 2 is probably the best alright next <laughs> sorry let's uh, drift on to the home console Sega Sonic CD came out now did you ever get a chance to play this one? Yes, I, I actually didn't get to play it in its original form. I played it in a collection. That, that's how I played it, too, because I never had a Sega CD. But, uh, you know, Sonic's given a chance to shine with some of the more powerful tech. And granted, it still plays a lot like all the other Sonics. But you did have the little time travel mechanic where you could jump between past, present, and future versions of the levels. Plus, you also got the introduction of Metal Sonic and... Oh, wait, no. No. Metal Sonic was in 2? Yeah, no, I think this one just had uh, Amy Rose as the only new character that came into this one. Okay. Now, I'm sure you, in one of your collections you played Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine? Absolutely. Now, have you actually played the original version of that game? Um, I don't think I've played it for the arcade. Wait, 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 wait. Which version is the original? Puyo Puyo. It was never actually released in the States. So the only way you could have played it is through emulation. Maybe? Or, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Or it, it has shown up in collections, but, uh, like, it, yeah. Uh, basically, I took this fun puzzle game that's kind of like. Uh, well, I will say it's like uh, playing Street Fighter, uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2. But uh, for those who have never played that, uh, it's kind of like a cross between Tetris and Columns. Okay, yeah. Uh, Any of those kind of puzzle games I love. Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you basically build little cubes of these little jelly creatures and they, exp and they vanish and you're actually fighting against another, pers another person or the computer doing the same thing that you are. And the more things you destroy, the more you load up on their side. And they took this game, threw the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog skin on it, and just released it as a Sonic game. Okay. Which, I get it, but at the same time, I want the version that has a constipated fish man. <laughs> Instead of whatever stupid-ass robots were in the cartoon. Uh, now, one of the best-selling games for the entire Genesis, and also one of the best games ever based on a movie, came out. 
Can you take a guess what that is? Aladdin? That is correct, sir. Yay, get a cookie! Now, it came out on both... No, there's a version, I should, I should change that statement. There's a version that came out for both Genesis and Super Nintendo. They were made by different companies. The one that was put out on the Genesis is good. The one that was put on the Super Nintendo is a steaming pile of shit. Oh, no. Like, it's amazing what two different companies doing literally the same game. Can, one company can fuck it up royally, and one can actually make something that people want to play. What do you think happened? Uh, I don't know exactly. I just, I probably think time. I think, uh, because, God, I want to say it's Data East that was doing the, uh, doing the one for, uh, Super Nintendo, and I think it's Capcom that did the one for Genesis. Oh, okay. And, yeah, totally different companies. Yeah, so it's like, you, you can kind of, you'd be able to see the quality between the two. But, yeah, uh, considering that this is a game that would, was recently released on the Switch, and the version that they that they sell you is the Genesis version. On a Nintendo console, they're selling you the Genesis version of a game that they put out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw out this one. Mortal Kombat also got ported to the consoles. The Genesis version is the superior version, even though Genesis only had three buttons and made it a lot more difficult to actually play. Genesis had the blood code, A-B-A-C-A-B-B. And that was the reason why you bought it. It was so you could actually have blood fatalities, unlike the Super Nintendo version, which you got sweat and nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I heard myself, say, I heard myself talking back to me. That was weird. Gross. Mutant <laughs> uh, League Football came out for the Genesis. This is my favorite football game of all time. I actually own this. I found it uh, like 12 years ago at a video store that was closing. I never got to play it, but I sold it. <coughs> Excuse oh, me. Dude, it's, it's a lot of fun because you got a team of monsters or aliens or robots. You know, you battle your way to victory. It, you know, it's, it's football. Except the fields have traps and things like uh, fire pits and landmines or the vacuum of space, which you can get sucked out. Uh, you can throw exploding balls. Uh, you can kill the opponents and or the quarterback. You can bribe the ref. Or if you think that the ref has been bribed, you can kill the ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you bribe the ref, he starts throwing uh, penalties out for, like, crying. So it becomes fairly obvious that, that the ref had been bribed. But... You could literally win this game by killing off enough of your opposing team that they can't continue. That's hilarious. Yeah, they have to lose by forfeit because there's no, there's absolutely no way for them to continue. I actually won a few uh, playthroughs that way. Again, it, it ends up spawning a sequel, a cartoon series, and then there's, I guess, a legacy sequel that may come out one day. Yeah, I've heard rumors of it. I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, finally, Lunar, the Silver Star, 
which came out in the Sega CD and is one of the greatest RPGs of all time. I have never heard of it. Oh man, uh, look up. I'd say look up Lunar Silver Star Story Complete. That's the re- uh, remastered version of it, and it's like the game has some of the best music ever. It's uh, a fairly simple story in which you have a young you know, young kid wanting to follow in the steps of his hero ends up becoming a great great master and stuff like that. You know, simple story, but uh, very very much uh, anime esque high fantasy. Okay. And basically, it was well received at the time. And it's continued to be well received. I've never heard anyone who's played this game not like it. Now, let's move on to Nintendo. And we've mentioned this one game before Cool Spot. Oh, I love this game. It's so good. Cross cross platform, of course, but uh, it's really the best of the shameless brand mascot games mm-hmm. like now does 7up the, the logo still have that red spot in it I actually don't know yeah I don't know I've never and it was actually the soda aisle today I could have looked and actually had an answer for you but I didn't and I had that in my notes to even go look uh, I don't think 7up so I can't tell you but basically Yes, they are. I see it. Okay, yeah. If you weren't there at the time, 7-Up, sodas were advertised on TV, children. I know there's these weird things online about, like, Barks and and Mug don't advertise, and yet they sell really well. It's like, bullshit. Barks has bite and Mug. The phone goes straight to your brain. Yeah, I think they were talking more about recent, but yeah, they they did used to... uh promote all the time but i feel like i don't but i also don't watch tv so what am i talking about i have no idea what commercials are showing yeah like seven up seven up had the cool spot so yeah basically it was a platforming game you ran around these levels looking for all the collectible spots that you need to get actually leave the thing and here's the thing it didn't it didn't like expand the uh, platforming genre it didn't do anything new but it was solid and it looked really good. Those backgrounds were, like, especially that beach one, looked really, really impressive. And, yeah, you can't argue with a game that's just plain fun. Now... You know what I think of? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm to interrupt. What I think of when I think of that spot game is Vector Man. I feel like... I wonder if those guys, the, the team that created the 7-Up one did Vector Man later because it has same kind of body movements. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I would have to look it up, but yeah, I'd, I'd buy that. Uh, now, did you ever play Clay Fighter? Ooh, I love Clay Fighter! Yes, it's like Street Fighter 2, except all the characters are made of clay, and the game is Claymation, and they're silly. Very silly. Like, you had an evil snowman, or and the Elvis impersonator. <laughs> there, was the, there was the opera Viking woman. There was even a piece of uh, sentient taffy. And it was fine. It was basically like counter-programming history, fireball combat. I mean, the most impressive thing was the fact that it was Claymation. Which, God, how did they even do that? How did they film that? 
imagine it's like what they did with Mortal Kombat, where you just filmed, you know, you shot what you needed to, and then you just ran those those files as a loop. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. But uh, yeah, it not not my favorite fighting game. It managed to spawn two sequels, and what I think it might be part in one of the. Uh, uh, the Nintendo fighting game, I think he had like a stage of, of one of them at one point. Okay. Okay, well, next up, Secret of Mana. I've heard of it, but I've never played it. This was the first RPG game that I played that was identified as an RPG. Okay. I mean, like, I, I played Final Fan, uh, Fantasy Star, and I played Miracle Warriors. I've I mentioned these before. So it's like, I have... I had played RPG, so this is my first one. But the first time someone said the word RPG was in relationship to this. And this is a classic. Uh, you have a real-time battle system where instead of uh, like you know start and stop of a turn base, you actually could run around, move your characters around, and you have a gauge at the bottom that as it filled up, your attacks would become more powerful. So you could just use your you know, basic attacks, simple strikes and stuff, or if you waited, you could actually get all your characters together and do like a triple, you know, a team attack. And yeah, there's three characters, and each one had specific skills, and you were actually able to swip, uh, swap between them. Or if you had a second controller and another player, they could take one of the characters as well. And I mean, look up videos of this game. It it's of that time where these sprites looked so good that it still looks impressive. I think they like a remake of it that came out a few years ago, but I'd still want to play the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Mega Man X. Oh, oh, this is my favorite spinoff. I love this one. I actually yeah, love it more than the original series because it's not so fucking hard. Yeah, it is, but it's a lot more fun is is the change, I think. It's still a difficult game. It's still Mega Man. But at least with this one, you had the illusion of you could be good at it. <laughs> it lies to you. Yeah, it lies to you with its beautiful graphics and its uh, fun gameplay. And it's, you're able to slide around. And if you're lucky and you know what you're doing, you can get the uh, Hadouken and Dragon Punch. Yeah, it's, you know, even even the storyline in this game was a lot more in-depth and, uh, you know, complex. Granted, that's not really saying much. Yeah. But it, they actually gave a shit about a story in this one. Now, finally, Star Fox. Yay! Oh, oh, okay, I gotta ask you real quick. I just thought about this today. Have you got around to watching the 1997 Kung Fu masterpiece, Drive, with Mark Cascos and Kitty Hardison yet? I have not. Darn it. There is a character in there. They're always watching this TV show in the background, and it's called uh, Walter the Einstein Frog, and he's always making the sound of the frog from Star Fox, and it drives, I just love it. Uh, that is terrible. <laughs> that is terrible. Yep. Especially 
Slippy is one of the most annoying characters in any video game ever. But, uh, yeah, the first game of the Star Fox franchise is a fucking doozy. You know, uh, this was the first Nintendo game to use polygonal graphics, and it actually had that little FX chip built into it to actually do that. Because there's no way for the system to actually produce what you saw in that right, game. Right, right, right. And, you know, you're piloting a spaceship around. It's a rail shooter. You can't really do a whole heck of a lot. I mean, you could do a barrel roll. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's one of the best shooter, you know, space shooters ever made. And it's, with all of its limitations, you when you were playing this game, it felt big. I hated flying to those goddamn rings. <laughs> yeah, the, the rings, trying to fly underneath obstacles, trying to figure out what the hell you're supposed to shoot the first time you played, because I, I know red flashy things are supposed to be like the indi- you know, an indicator, an obvious indicator, but not always. Kind of shoot everything because you're trained by other video games to just kind of shoot everything. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, sadly, most of the Star Fox games blow. I mean, I guess Star Fox 64 is pretty good, but it was also on the 64, which I don't really think much of anything. Yeah, I think the Nintendo 64, we were just talking about that either today or yesterday, where when it came out, it only had two games. I was like, they couldn't have waited to have more games. It always confused me. system launch even shit even Jaguar had a better launch than than what we'll talk about later for that one finally the Senate hearings on video games yeah led by uh, Senators Joe Lieberman and Herb Cole basically took the vegan industry to task for their depiction of realistic violence and they were basically kind of out to regulate the industry if the industry wasn't going to do it themselves. You know, like anything else popular with the youth of America, video games began taking the blame for all of societal's ills that, you know, could have maybe been dealt with by actually uh, addressing... Yeah, yeah, they're still blamed to this fucking day. Still! Yeah, it's like, you know, we we could actually address causes of gun violence, like guns. Or mental illness. They keep saying, oh, well, it's a mental illness problem. But you don't do anything about that either, you fuckers. Yeah, exactly. Now, Grant, now, we talked about in the last show, Lethal Enforcers, Mortal Combat, you know, and granted, as cartoonish as, like, the fatalities of Mortal Combat were, it was still kind of brutal at the time to see a guy rip out someone's pixel heart or tearing the head, you know, head off of the spine. Yeah. And it's like because of uh, one of Lieberman's uh, former chiefs of staff, is one of his one of the guy's kids wanted Mortal Kombat. That's when the moral outrage machine began. It reminds me of CB4, that that thing that they were doing. You know the. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, the the government. Oh, why my son's listening to this? I hate this. Dad, I love it. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, and Lieberman had heard, quote unquote, about Night Trap, and then quote unquote investigated it. Came to a conclusion that it didn't send the right message. Yeah. And 
basically their research was that video game players were primarily kids aged uh, 7 to 12. Mm. Let's be honest, probably should you know, poorly, quickly uh, researched so that they could make their point. Yep. You know, and basically that meant that video game companies were advertising violence to children. Now, if they actually tried to go and censor video games, that would, of course, run to all kinds of First Amendment issues. So they figured out that they could find a way to control the industry uh, without actually getting to any uh, issues with the uh, Constitution. But uh, prior to those first hearings, uh, the representatives from the video game companies basically just flat out announced that they were going to form an industry-wide rating system that would inform uh, potential buyers of any content. So, you know, hey, why have these hearings? We're going to regulate our industry well and when they did that every time they do we talked about this with music is it actually opens up the field now of what you can get away with because now you can rate things it's the same thing in movies same thing you know just yeah so. it doesn't it's not going to curb it it just makes it uh, more and more but uh, you know the hearings had child psychologists and experts in, in education who claim that children are rewarded with positive feedback whenever they dispatch their opponents in the most violent ways possible I mean they, the terms they use in relation to sports are so violent and could easily desensitize children. You know, they make their rivals seem like the other and less... Wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry, we're talking about video games, not sports. <laughs> or politics. I mean, I mean, those toy guns in the hands of a child can make them think that shooting people had no real consequence. I mean, those caps are loud. <laughs> wait a minute. And, and the racism that you can find in these things. I mean, cowboys and Indians, Indians always being the bad... Wait a second. What are they talking about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Video games are bad because, you know, they... They had violence and scantily clad women being, you know, attacked by quote-unquote vampires. Oh, No. <laughs> Basically, it was full, it was just bullshit for moral flexing. Uh, it also didn't really help that all during this, people from Sega and Nintendo basically blamed each other for all the things that were going wrong. And so, basically, we got the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board. And this, because of these hearings, it kind of strong-armed all these uh, retailers uh, into not being able to carry anything that was not going to be rated by them. No, oh, okay. Gotcha. And Just like, like the comic I, books. Remember, they had to rate the comic books, and if they didn't have a rating, they could only be in direct stores. Yeah, like Night Trap actually ended up just getting flat out pulled because there was no way to have any mature discussion about the content of the game without it devolving into just stupid screaming matches. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you listen to Cole, you can really, like, look up some of his quotes about this because you can hear that he had such a hard-on for censorship and was gen- and seemed like he was genuinely pissed off that he had to follow the rule of law because he wanted censorship flat out. It was pretty, it was pretty yeah, well, they never, the rules never uh, really stand. Oh, wait, but if it's something they want, no, 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 you can't censor that. Exactly. And 
it's you know, granted, while we got a rating system out of it, like you said, it's not like it really did anything. I worked at a video game retailer for damn near ten years. Guess what? Parents don't care. Nope. They do That's not care. I learned that myself. I go, this is rated this, and they go, I don't care. Okay, just checking. Yeah, the game is the babysitter. Why why are they going to you know, why do you why are you stopping me from giving my kid this thing to shut him the fuck up? find you on the internet web or thingies i am on twitter at m-y-u-z-i-s-h-i-o-n all right so facebook twitter all your podcast hosts under hit rewind and that is it for the night and have a good one peace out